pictures flashed at 24 frames per second. In honor of Empire of Light, what's your favorite memory in an actual movie theater? I'm Katie Rich, and this is an often told story, but it's true. It's seeing The Force Awakens at the last night that the Ziegfeld Theater was open in New York City because I was young and child-free, and I was there with my friends, and the movie was good. I'm at Patches. Katie, I thought you'd talk, I'd tell your hand job in the back row theater uh, story. But I at, the for, at the Force that. Awakens when I was like <laughs> 33. <laughs> Give a hand job in the Force Awakens. Is there any time sadder than You're a, a 30-year-old year giving or receiving a hand job <laughs> in a movie theater? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's a good experience. It's a good experience. Uh, anyway, Matt Patches, I'm going to go. I feel like we had an entire quarter quell about this topic, which I would direct people to. And I hopefully I didn't tell the exact same story. But I'm going to say uh, when I saw Kill List at like 8 a.m. press yeah. reading at South by Southwest with like four people and had a transcendent, delirious experience. Loved that. Love. love I was, I'm a morning person. I don't know if people on this call know uh, if, they, if we've ever roomed together at a festival. But ah, oh boy, I love a morning. Sure does. Oh, that sounds horrible. Sure does. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Um, I probably also told the story, but I got to see a preview screening of the Blair Witch Project, the mine in Denver, before I knew what it was. And I remember distinctly all of us filing silently out of the theater, back into the light, to read the little booklet handout about how it was all real. Did you believe it? Yeah, for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and I'm David Ehrlich, and I know that I've reached a certain age because all of my memories of being in the movie theater, all of them, the good, the bad, 30 years ago, last week, they're all sort of Tetrising together in my brain right now. Uh, I'm having trouble thinking of literally any of them. Is this what the Taron Edgerton movie Tetris is about? Uh, yeah. yeah um, wait, name name literally any movie that I have seen, uh, and I will just try to see if what? I can summon my memory of uh, it's seeing Empire it. of Light. Empire of Light. Well, Where were you? Uh, I was, this is previously, it would be really upsetting <laughs> if I couldn't remember this. I was at the Telluride Film Festival. It was at the very, very, very first screening of that movie. Um, and uh, my only moment of happiness was uh, leaving because that movie, mm. that movie hold sucks. on we'll get to empire light next week uh, <laughs> what about real steel do you remember where you were i never saw real steel real steel i remember what? i remember never seeing real steel i truly don't know if i saw real steel i remember seeing real steel because no real there's steel. a whole yeah segment with hugh jackman teaching the robot how to box and i remember looking at my watch i'm glad so that i can what still I remember, remember with authority that I did not see a certain movie. I'm about not the just Total like... Recall remake with Colin Farrell. Okay, I see. Oh, I remember seeing. Wait, is that the yes. one with the kid frame I... photo patches? No, or that's that... Robocop. That's Robocop. Always... Sake. Yeah, I'll never remember. Okay, I don't remember wait, where it what's, was. What's oh, wait. the deal with the frame photo? Oh, the kid? The, you, you've seen Patches tweet this a hundred times. The like framed photo of this like cherubic child looking somehow creepy at the same you time. You know, my memory is Robocop. such that I remember exactly what theater. It was the Ewok, the Regal Ewok in Times Square, where I saw the Total Recall remake, but I do not remember Patch's favorite bit from the movie. <laughs> I was going to say I saw Robocop. it at the AMC, uh, but I bet David is right. I bet we were Total Recall is the one where he jumps on, like, Tetris blocks. Tetris. Mm. The, 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 big Tetris. Oh, that's right. the and there's uh, an elevator no. in the middle of the earth. And like, this is stupid. <sighs> what are we, this is a podcast. Wait, <laughs> this is the long lightning round. Oh, no. Wait, everything's jumbling together. <laughs> Uh, every- I, I, it occurs to me that I am doing an event with Mark Marin on Wednesday, uh, and I wonder if I should ask him how to make a good that podcast. movie with what's-her-name in it? Yes. Uh, what movie with what's-her-name in it? To Leslie. Uh, with oh, Adrian that Rossborough. movie that got a spirit nomination that I'd never heard of before. 
Yeah, no. People I seem to think, oh, Andrea Riceboro, is that who's in it? Yeah. Yeah. They think she's good, right? She's good. She's always good. I mean, he's good in it, too. I mean, it's funny because she is the most chameleonic actress of her generation, and Mark Maron yeah, can play literally one part. Uh, and so <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's a really interesting sort of screen pairing, but uh, it's it's a nice little movie, and they both uh, they both do a good job, and I interviewed it back at a South By in March, and now I'm just doing like a SAG Q&A. Uh, I feel like you could be on you could be on Marin. I mean, Jason Bailey. I have yeah, no, I kind of had to write a book. Jason no as- Bailey was no. on Marin? Yeah, for his yeah. book. Um, I have, gotta write a book there. I have no aspirations to be on Marin, but I, I might ask Marin uh, how how to make this podcast good finally. I'm just telling him, you know, we've been doing it for like 15 oh. years, and uh, now we're thinking. Like, he, he's only been doing yeah. it for two more years than And, and now we're thinking about making it good, so. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's 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 awesome. Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 418. It's pandemic 148. And if you couldn't tell already, it's another pandemic check-in kind of episode. Uh, It's the week of Wednesday, December 7th. That's the day that, isn't it Pearl Harbor Day? Or is that the 8th? Uh, it's also the day that in 1787, Delaware became the first state to ratify the Constitution. Hey, go, that Constitution. Good job, Good job. Delaware. Dave Glad really did didn't that. go. Dave didn't want to go with the obvious uh, obvious one. So he, we're going to do a 9-11 episode someday. And it's going to be wow. like, that was the day that the MTV yeah, the VMAs happened. <laughs> there was a long time in the Marvel book. Uh, there was a paragraph that just said, TK explained 9-11. <laughs> and I finally sat down one day and did it. And it was also one of the first things the editor took out where he's like, everybody knows. I'm like, yeah. Cool. What did you feel like you had to explain about 9-11 that uh, your readers would not know? I mean, I is it it just approach it from a history. I mean, yeah, yeah. Is it canon? Actually, is MC it would be funny. I don't think it is. I mean, what no, other lens would you be looking at it through? <laughs> Are you asking what I mean? Actually, for the book, we say we trace from 9 11 movies making Marvel movies a certain way to Iron Man actually dealing with arms dealing to to right, so. to uh, the Incredible Hulk causing 9 11. Mm. Oh, the Incredible okay. Hulk cost. Sure. Yeah. He did a 9 11. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I tweeted this, but watching Elf and seeing the giant American flag in James Conn's office, I was like, oh, Elf's a post 9 11 movie. We forget yep. about how there were just giant fucking American flags everywhere for years. Everywhere. You used to have to wear a pin. Well, not Maybe you, but if you were a politician. To. Oh, yes, you if you're to. a politician. No, they would not Again, let must... you in the Vanity Fair offices if you were not wearing an American flag pin. <laughs> Where is yeah. your American flag? Patriots it was the only. vaccine passport of the day. Yeah. Where's your pin? I assume Dave uh, took his assigned pin and stomped on it and yelled, don't tread on me at some point in wow. 2002. That sounds like Oh, probably like that. I, if I was anything, I was a uh, black armband person. Mm. So that seems that I, seems the fitting. In college, way to America. In college, my pin was the uh, no uh, no uh, wire hangers. No blood for oil. No no wire oh. hangers. <laughs> um, no wire yeah, hangers. Abortion is ever, evergreen in this country. Jesus Christ! Yeah, oh, for abortion. That was Got a college yeah. student. Oh you could get away with it back then. I would wear like a a blazer, like a casual blazer. With yeah. Uh, I remember going to Las Vegas for my 21st birthday and having the pin on my lapel at the poker table at the Bellagio and <laughs> starting some fun conversations. 
Uh, right, it's, it's in our weirdest episode where David's memory lane. This is our Fablemans. This is our Empire of Light. This is our Fable. Where were you? Uh, uh, we will have some structure to this at least. In that, I will ask if we have any reviews. We do, we do. We Yay. have uh, we have two reviews. Go oh, wow. Uh, podcast reviewer three 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 nine two seven six five seven nine says five stars. I downloaded Be Real, an app I had previously never heard of, after you discussed it over <laughs> yeah. the summer. Now, every time I scroll through the Be Reels of the four people I know who use the app and wonder why it exists, I think of you all and wonder what you're up to. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Thank you, podcast reviewer, etc. Uh, I have fallen off Be Real over the last couple of days. It's just like one thing too many in my hectic life. Uh, really? It, it even tells you when to do it. You I know, but... No, I've been having the same problem. I'm like, I just want to see what right screen now. you're watching. But I'm also you know, like, what's on your television? The punishment for not like, I think that they should disallow late be reels. I think you know, if mm. you if you miss it that day, you miss it that day, and life goes on. But I think yeah, ability, nine hours later is a little ridiculous. The ability to post it whenever and choose what it is that you're doing inherently defeats the purpose of the app. And there's too many times that I'm just sitting at my computer and I'm like, oh, I could post now. Or I could post a few hours later when I'm doing. So you, you yeah. wanted to and automatically take a picture. No, you know you don't get to this, choose. No, it's it's going to no, take no, a picture no. of you on the can. No, like, I think that could be. Yeah, I mean, trouble. imagine how many pooping photos you'd get if it just took a picture of you. I mean, the good news warning. is I'm not pointing my phone at poop. All I'm very saying very is <laughs> no, that no, but like a low angle shot of you yeah, sitting down with your pants shitting. down. <laughs> I'm just saying that you should. It, you should you be able to Marvel snap. You take the photo or not, but. You should only have that two minute window to take it. And if you miss it, you just don't get a photo that day. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, I haven't done it yet today. Art. Yeah. Be real is the gates. Uh, if you guys talk about Marvel Snap one time, I'm going to come, I'm going to fucking re raise you guys and talk about Marvel Midnight Suns, which I've inexplicably been playing recently. Should I get into uh, that? Well, <laughs> what, what, the, why is that Marvel card uh, game better than the Marvel card yeah, game we're all playing? I know. <laughs> We'll, What's we'll wrong with you? We'll How are you all in on all Marvel branded gaming? <laughs> by the way, this is a strange personality trait. Um, yeah. Okay, we have one more review. Uh, man, Chris Kreider just scored a breakaway shorthanded goal. Fucking a. The Rangers need this. Uh, best what? podcast. You have a TV on while no, podcasting. I don't. What? I have MSG Go on on the other monitor. Come on, it's, we're having a society here. Joe, we're, we're professionals. Uns, unsurname taken. Unsur, there is an N in there. It's not just username taken. It's Joe, unsurname taken. Says, best podcast to listen to while playing Marvel Snap. A podcast, <laughs> hey. a podcast I would recommend to anyone from casual film fan to college-educated film minors like myself. Four hosts so delightful I would listen to them fight and converse about anything. I'd like to ask the group, who are your favorite podcasters to listen to? It would be impossible for me to name a favorite fighting in the war room host and then a space. And then it says, except for Katie. Um, oh, thank you. And in the rare instance of someone spelling Katie's name correctly, uh, which I usually don't call out because who cares? But, you know, cookies for this guy. Um, two things. Uh, I wonder, I wonder, what if let's try playing Marvel Midnight Suns? While listening to a podcast and see if uh, if that still works or if that game requires a little bit too much brain power, I don't know. Um, I will just kick. I like off that the you haven't explained what it is. You're just we'll going to get there. I am just going to kick off will? the answers oh. here and say that you know I I'm pretty on record about my podcast listening uh, diet on this show. What we talk about our friends at Blank Check all the time, and the only other podcast that I really listen to consistently is the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, which I love very very much because I've always had a big bottom of my heart for Conan O'Brien and uh, it is just pure 
undiluted Conan and chill chums for uh, for an hour. I love it. I love the Conan needs a friend. Uh, it's the blank check and the Patreon. And then I download other po- like I have other podcasts I've subscribed to, but literally uh, don't listen to. There's only so much time I have podcasting. You guys. I'm in a podcast struggle spot right now, but I think I've realized that Michael Hobbs, the host of You're Wrong About at one point and now on maintenance phase in a book called in a show new one called If Books Could Kill. I think he's the person who I will now follow to any podcast because I don't necessarily care about listening to a podcast about the game. You remember mystery oh, and yeah. the game. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed the episode a lot. So uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm like I'm listening to almost nothing except for podcasts I'm professionally obligated to listen to and help edit. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, I need I need to get out this right. So the answer is Richard Lawson. <laughs> I should listen to the uh, the still watchings, the the Daves, all that stuff. But the VF universe, I get them all in person. You should listen. You should listen. I mean, still watching the White Lotus, not yeah. to like you know self promote, but Dave and I have been uh, working on it, and it's you know, really good. I, I, it's maybe not hosted for by us. the Last of Us show, which I'm assuming it will be podcasts like that. For I will listen to some of them. My current feeling is like I really, really enjoy the White Lotus, but one hour a week spent thinking about it is just the right amount of time. So okay, I know right. we're going to talk about it next. Um, week, but yeah, I should also shout out. Uh, the other podcast I sometimes listen to, Mark Marin, as we talked about already in this episode, depending on the guest. Oh, yeah. And also, Mark, if you're listening. Uh, also, uh, Armchair Expert, which feels very Note off to brand Dave, for me. don't edit out Mark. Wait, you you wait hold on. You tried to sneak that in. Are you like a fan of the Magnolia that. Network? Are you, uh, I don't know what that this is. is some basic ass shit that you're into. I, I do not Are know you, what the Magnolia is. You don't know what the Magnolia Chip and Joanna Gaines. Chip and Joanna Gaines? But You're I don't think it. they have anything to do You're with that. They really You're don't. Buying their I target mean, collection. No, I'm just saying it's a basic ecosphere. Your basic oh, I bought their. You, I bought their Christmas girl in a Target. Let's not judge oh, yeah. that. All right, I don't okay, watch the Magnolia. Okay. I'm backing network, up. But... I'm backing up. I retract. I don't know, that man. Dax Shepard gives good podcasts. What can I say? I have uh, fun to listen to. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's not on my wavelength. Sometimes it is. Uh, Could but... not have seen this coming. Dave, Dave, what podcast do you listen to? Let's wrap this part up. I mean, I was, uh, what was the actual text of the question, David? Can you give it to me again? <laughs> Who do you like listening to, I think? Actually. Yeah, Who yeah. Who are your favorite so, podcasters to listen to? I don't think it's about the, their so voices I, so much as, you know, just who do you like listening to? Well, I'm going to answer no. in terms of their voices and personality, because these are two podcasts that I do keep up with, uh, but the what's going to, or I guess three. I'm going to say Karina Longworth, yeah, you must remember yeah. this. Um, I even listened to half of her book uh seduction on audiobook just to Ooh. be like this could be a really long podcast that's that a was good, good idea um Phoebe judge the host of criminal and this is love i yeah. like uh, the way that she you intonates. know where she, you know where she lives durham durham she lives i don't hey. know her but she okay, lives the, right Katie's down the street phoebe bridge gotta, on the podcast. <laughs> good. I know, and then uh Rob Harvia, who is oh, the host sure. of a Ringer podcast uh, called 60 Songs that Explain the 90s, which are just basically like long monologue or read out loud essays about music, I guess would how to put it. But uh, I like his cadence uh, as a podcast host. Uh, I realize Patches? I just I wait, hang on. I realized I forgot oh, one, yeah. which because it's off season, but uh, normal gossip uh, with Kelsey McKinney, which is just her recounting to a guest someone else's story of drama in their life with all the identities changed so it's anonymous and it's about like weird thanksgivings or like a family trip with a girlfriend nobody liked or like neighbors being weird um it's incredibly <laughs> if you love hearing other people's petty stuff there's like no stakes on your life uh listen to that show mm. uh i'm going to say a podcast that i've been religiously listening to for years and years now the flop house 
with Ellie Kalin and Dan McCoy and Stuart Wellington, who used to own a bar. Uh, well, he still does, uh, down the road from my old Brooklyn apartment. I got to see him there. Mm. And now I don't. I, I'm so I'm nostalgic for bar talk. And uh, the Flophouse is just about bad movies. And they watch them and talk about them. And those guys are very, very funny, um, genuinely, uh, which is just hard to come by in my podcasting uh, exploration. Um, the other one I would say is Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, David and Annie, oh, our yeah. pals. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the show beyond our appearances there, if our listeners have, but when we're not on there guesting and, and screaming like mad folk, uh, David and Annie are just like a pleasure to listen to talk about trivial things. So I, I shout out their podcast once again. Can I ask a question quiz, quiz, of bang, the group? Bang. Did I say that? Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to call like anyone out for because we have many dear friends who do podcasts, oh, but shit. I have a hard time listening to other current movie podcasts yeah. because That's I have lives. spent so much time I, like I spend so much time talking about it that I'm like, I respect so many people who I know who record podcasts about new movies, but like yeah. I only got so many hours and I don't want to hear anyone talk about the Fablemans anymore. And I feel bad about it because there's a lot of good stuff what? out there. But okay. All right. You, so you gotta, I you gotta go have bad. tunnel vision on. I mean, one reason I don't listen to my content is podcasts. the only one that matters. Yes. I mean, it's also, you don't want to be stealing ideas and like, I want to go oh. in fresh. So I, I even have stealing you know, ideas. I, ideas I dip like in and out of Fableman's is good. The fa- <laughs> yeah. I try to be an original here. Uh-huh. No, I've seen a lot of bad. I've seen a lot of Fableman bashing recently. This is no. going to be a thing as the Oscars ramp up, but of I'm course it just, is. I'm on team Fableman. Um, uh, do we, do we want to do this email because uh, it's a weird show and this email also <laughs> ends in questions? <laughs> sure. All right. Kelly wrote in to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com where you could write in if you are not leaving us a review on the podcast uh, app for Apple. That's where we usually like them. But she writes in. Hey, Dave, David, Katie, and Patches. I wrote a review in 2020 on iTunes, so I'm reengaging here instead. Perfect use. Thanks all for the hours of content over the years. I have to admit that while I do mention your podcast to others, I cannot endorse it too openly for fear I'll be found out for passing off your eloquent hot takes as my own, (laughs) as we were just talking about. Thanks all the same. To avoid Marvel Star Wars Galaxy Talk, no problem, I wanted to ask a few questions. One, why no ads on the podcast? I'm not complaining, just wondering. Uh, Uh, Oh, wow. Because it would take work? Um, if someone yeah, emailed yeah. us and like Venmoed us ten thousand dollars, I mm-hmm. think we could put ads on. But also, also like don't don't not enough people listen to the show for it to be worth it to any advertisers. I don't know. I, no, I don't think that's necessary. Is that, is that no longer true. true? It was true for a while. Well, I think but we I have think, a captive uh, audience. We could be the more direct influence. We're not. We're not. The more the more you. important thing is because we're like independently hosted on a back end that I wrote on WordPress. Uh, we don't have a lot of great tracking. So if we were going to go to shopping for an advertiser, let's say, I don't know if our data would be as good Listen, as if you're listening whatever, to this whatever. and you are a loyal fan like of the advertise. show and you just trust that, uh, you know, we've been doing this a long time. You, there are, we read a lot of reviews. Those are pe- those people are listening. They're all out there. They're they got their open pocketbooks waiting to spend money on whatever junk you have to hawk. Uh, you know, write us a letter. We'll give us some money. We'll we'll talk about your shit. Yeah, isn't this how the Renaissance worked? They didn't have yeah. advertisements. They had people with can you deep pockets who just wait, gave wait, away wait. their money to artists. Chaotic <laughs> our ad reads would be your sales would go through the roof. It'd be great. Uh, I just I'm gonna throw this out there. Friday in the War Room classifieds. Ooh. We can do person Ooh. to person. Yes. We could be, I mean, 
This is uh, yeah. this is how new economies. Just, what are those like fifty bucks? Ads where it's like well, I missed you on the train. Yeah. Uh, Misconnection. Oh, Misconnection. <laughs> that that is an amazing idea. Fifty bucks will read whatever you want to whoever you want. Don't we already Done. do that with the, I, the no, Apple well, review? This is the thing. No, We're kind of giving it away for free. If you, read, if you write anything in a review that feels like a, a personal ad, I'm cutting it out. You got to pay for that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Change in policy, is, Kelly. You chow, you caused a change in this. policy. Um, Kelly, this is how the band Kelly breaks a, up. <laughs> Kelly has a second question, which is, what are your best bets slash predictions for Avatar 2, The Way of the Water? Uh, think of it as a way of the water bingo, if you will. Uh, at least one per host, please. So let's try to keep it just uh, to one per host. Water, like, like predictions of, of, what, of what will happen in the movie? No, I've got one. I think I've so. I've got one. Because I, I was just thinking then, about oh, this. Wait, I just want to say this is perfect timing because we're recording this the day before David and yeah, I at no least see it. No one has seen. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, by, by tomorrow, we'll, two of I us have seen James it. Cameron is, is showing it in uh, North Carolina. Wow. Yeah, before wow. Denver. Before wow. Denver. Even. I mean, that, yeah. I, that I don't understand. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's New York, L.A., and North Carolina, apparently. <laughs> but you know, you gotta no, go it, there's a critic. No, hang on, there's a critic's where, choice screening. It's everywhere. I just want to be clear about that. Critics' choice screening in Durham. Yes, there are critics around are here. Of, no, it. it, it oh. I think what happened is they realized that the critics' choice voting ends this week, and they were like, "Oh, we need need a, we need some nominations because all the other wait does it really? Yeah, oh shit! All the other critics groups have already closed up shop pretty much. So. Yeah, um, I got an email from the Critics' Choice Association with screenings yeah. in Orlando, San Antonio, wow. Seattle, wow. Tampa. Um, I mean, Tampa. You know, they're blowing it out. <laughs> All these uh, cities that will be underwater one day. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> this is essentially a training film. No, I uh, I was thinking about this today in the shower appropriately, which is where, you know, I have all my way of water thoughts. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was thinking that, you know, there, <laughs> there's just definitely going to be one character uh, who's just going to be a roided out army military person who's going to say things that sound like they're written by a 70 year old james cameron you know like mm -hmm. weird weird insults that like kind of make you cock your head and be like okay <laughs> forward <laughs> like that's that's what i that's my prediction you think I'm there's gonna, gonna be like a navi slur and this guy is going to be dropping them all he's gonna like, call them like blue something something i don't know you know we're gonna... i feel like there are those in the first movie there's i cannot sure think are. of I think uh, one of the Navi is going to uh, braid bond with an aquatic creature. That's mm. going to be my bet. Well, they braid bond with the horses in the first one, and it's not like a sex thing. It's like a how you ride your horse thing. No, I, I didn't say it was a sex, a sex thing. thing. <laughs> I, said it was, well, just... I said braid bond. Hey, just because okay. they're braiding doesn't mean they're sexing the horse. Is that what you think? You know, <laughs> we've all had a false memory of there being like a sex scene in the original Avatar with the braid bond. And it's not in there, and I'd it's interesting that we have all convinced ourselves that there is one. Real I'm just saying, effect. instead of the uh, uh, inhabitants of Talokan clinging <laughs> to a whale in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I think you could bond with these underwater creatures. Because why have an ecosystem if you can't bond with everything, really? Yeah, no, I think, that's, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, my my bet lady. is that Avatar has, like, 2009 avatar had an amazing basketball scene so i feel like way of the water should have like a water polo scene <laughs> I, I don't want short basketball i don't want to give any spoilers for <laughs> any other movies but i will say that avatar will be coming up in a very unexpected context later this month i've heard i have heard of what you tell <laughs> i will, I will say no we'll, more we'll get there 
in another movie, Avatar comes up. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Uh, in a big way. It's obviously oh, the boy. Eternal Daughter by Jaren Hong yeah. is what um what David's talking about. <laughs> um, I'm going to predict. I'm going to make a prediction talk? based on nothing, which is that the teenager voiced by Sigourney Weaver, she's going to voice a character who dies again because she died in the first Avatar. She's back as a teenager. I think whatever that character wow. is dies again. Really? I don't. You think they're going to kill a kid? kid I mean, kill it's a kid about character. A, a teenage character. It's about a lot of kids. I mean, I don't know. Cameron's kind of a softy when it comes to kids sometimes. But remember oh. those fucking dead kids in Titanic? There's a bunch this of whole, them. No, I mean, I don't think they're going to kill a kid because they made four of these Avatar movies and they're about the kids growing up, I would imagine. I think this I is a hand the baton off yeah, that's why there's so many kids in this one. I don't oh, think so you, you can sustain some. Sigourney yeah, Weaver as the kid over like a franchise thing. Like it's an well, interesting thing is, She may have already recorded her all of her performances. That's the difference oh, she might have. and James Cameron, Katie. He can. You know? What's going to be true. whack is if like real Sigourney Weaver passes away at some point and we still get never gonna teenage happen. Sigourney Weaver, no, Sigourney Weaver in true. like three more movies. I just want to say it's a, little, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking seeing this movie just because, you know, one of the truisms of my entire life as a sentient creature is that James Cameron does not miss. You know, you just don't, mm -hmm. uh, you do not doubt James Cameron. If you do, you do it at your own peril. And Avatar as I don't know if this made it on air last week, but Katie and I were talking, you know, it's a technical Marvel and it certainly is. Uh, technically, it's not Marvel. But... Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, you know, <laughs> the filmmaking is definitely Just on another that. level than you get from most blockbusters. But it is far and away the least interesting thing, to my mind, that he has ever made. I mean, just in terms of the, I mean, I don't, True Lies is not an intellectually provocative you know, masterwork, but uh, there, there is not a ton going on in Avatar that really gets me I going. feel like Terminator 2 so, is this, actually, and no one wants to talk about it. I mean, Whoa! I, Terminator 2 is not my favorite, so it's fine. But uh, I, you know, I believe what's in your favorite? Um, Wait, Titan okay. what's, what's your favorite? Okay, what's your favorite non-Titanic? Uh, what's my favorite non-Titanic? Your second favorite. Um, there aren't that many options. What are we talking no, about? Aliens Lauren. first? I, no, Aliens. Definitely Aliens. Uh, okay. Titanic and then Aliens, and then the Terminator movie. Or Terminator. Lies. But like, you Terminator know, Avatar is a, Avatar's a good movie, after, yeah. but it's still sort of at the bottom of the, the heap. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worried about him committing. But the bottom life. of the heap is still good. It's still very good. Yeah, I mean, good. Avatar that's, good. That's it. But this is the biggest bet he's ever really made, in a way. And uh, if he shits the bed, which I don't think he will entirely. I think worst case scenario, it's Avatar, which is like another visually dazzling film with incredible battle sequences down the last half hour or so and some really impressive and well thought out world building, but it's still about silly alien people and it's hard to emotionally invest in. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. It's also yeah, probably I mean, not too far away from the best case scenario, but we'll see. Is, is what, <laughs> are you feeling more trepidation over like the return of Avatar and like James Cameron one-upping himself or are you I mean, feeling I would anxiety be... over the fact that this is actually like a franchise starter and he's never, he's never really done that. Like the fact that there's an Avatar three and four, that's what kind of, Makes me flinch because I'm just like, this is the beginning. Well, there of will be Can if it this be one makes that long. There will be if this one makes money. I mean, he said like if this doesn't do well, like he just won't make the other ones. Like he's, he's not gonna make that the, the other ones. He's gonna make the third one, but uh, okay, but not the fourth and fifth. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, but but um, Look, if this one yeah, bombs, we're getting like, that I, Avatar I would be, braid sexy. I, I would be. So. <laughs> less trepidatious if it were a James Cameron movie about anything else. I think if it was just like a new James Cameron movie, I would just be like, fuck yes, frothing at the mouth. 
But the idea Yeah, of, I don't think we're ever going to get that, unfortunately. I mean, he seems to think he's going to live to be 140, but uh, <laughs> the idea if anyone of, could. Like, I just rewatched Avatar, and I was like, okay, like, I don't know if I... Like, I, I believe that there are really exciting things to do with this film world, and if anyone's going to do them, it's obviously... This, fe- this feels like Zemeckis, uh, like, motion capture era for you. Potentially, I'm. I am. I am very. Well, he's I, already yeah. done it well once. I mean, like. Yeah. No. I guess I, people liked it, Beowulf. Okay, but like Zemeckis no. motion capture was nope. always way worse. No, from it the is start. not. It is not like going to see like Zemeckis's fucking like the witches or something. Just doing this again. Like <laughs> you know, I I am very excited, but it is also by the time people movie. hear this, you will have tweeted about Avatar I, because I, the I social media embargo is up so. after the screening. So. This is, hopefully this all seems very quaint. Well, hopefully our it's, listeners are not on Twitter. It's like our pre <laughs> it's like our pre-election episodes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's gonna happen. Do you feel what do you, do you feel more nervous? Were you more nervous about the Democrats keeping the house or about Avatar, to be honest? <laughs> that is a very silly wow. question. <laughs> and I will not dignify it with an answer. <laughs> but uh um I think there's a clear answer. I I'm more nervous about Avatar because I thought that the Election was gonna just be bad. You know, I have no faith in it. That's true. Bad. You have more hope for Avatar than you did. Yes, for there's the more to lose with Avatar too. <laughs> um, no, there was more to lose with the election. Democracy but... dies in dark. It's like a... Yeah, democracy <laughs> dies in Pandora. You know what? I you know how the like we learned so little about the state of Earth during the original. That's pa- why the there's sequels, Avatar. dude. That's wild. Like, well, there were all those like deleted opening scenes about that were set on Earth that they like got rid of because this always happens with Cameron movies. As the they want to know where Giovanni novel. Ribisi came from. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying this urge for unobtainium. But right, it's like who? Like, what market are you satisfying with this unobtainium if Earth is a husk? Like, where yeah. where are people? Where is their money to be made? They're in space. Did you ever see the Expanse? I'm sure it's like that. They're all over the solar I saw, system. The pilot of the expanse on a plane once, and I was like, Oh, this should show seems cool, but <laughs> I gotta, I got other shit to do. Anyway, yeah, I'm pumped, uh, I'm yeah. jealous. You guys, I'm, I'm switching topics to putting David on the spot because he's just talking a lot. David, you're an award winning film critic now. Oh boy, award winning film critic. How are you coping with this new uh plane of existence you've entered oh, into? Me, How me, much did it cost to adjust win? my seat on my <laughs> golden throne? Uh, I honestly do not know anything about this award show. So, and I did you know you were nominated? I did because there was a press release a couple like a month ago, but that was the. But first you didn't time tell us because um, you know you weren't going to tell but, us. Yeah, I mean, I you know just it's a classic sort of classic sort of March Brothers thing where I immediately, I immediately sort of devalued whatever this award could have meant when I won it. You know, I was just like, this can't be all of that serious of an accolade if they're going to give it to me. Uh, over like Justin Chang, you know, who's a wonderful writer, and everyone you're in thinks, the you're in the very limited time Venn diagram where you're like the best TV critic on one of Time Magazine's uh, best top ten podcasts. Ooh, yeah, you got a couple of weeks of that. Uh, I have, I was just remembering that it was 2021 well, when we that made that list. Ago, it felt yeah. like a long time ago, and that yeah. felt silly too. Because in that case, it was really just one very nice writer's opinion. And I have no idea. I'm talking. What are you talking about? You know what's one very nice writer's yeah. opinion, David? What? Your work that you've won an award <laughs> it, it for. Was, you know what? I I would certainly rather have, <laughs> I guess, a made up award. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Why are we talking about this? It was fine. It was cool. Yes, I mean, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. The bil- the bil- thank you. If the billionaire who owns IndieWire 
keeps track of uh, these the sort of things. <laughs> I think he employed virtually everyone who was nominated in these categories. Uh, then that is good for me if uh, if it helps the website. That's fine. It just reminded me of the Mad Men when they go to the Cleos and they like don't give a shit about the Cleos because it's all bullshit. But then they win and they get really excited and then they get drunk <laughs> and then they uh, they go back to the office to get up the screen. Oh, and that's the episode where Don gives the iconic uh, Quaker Oats presentation <laughs> where he's drunk in front of the white like paper <laughs> that has become a meme. And that is basically how I felt. Not drunk with power, but drunk like Don Draper uh, after mm. winning a Clio for a couple hours this afternoon. The ultimate thing I have to say <laughs> on the subject is that it obviously made my mom, my Jewish mother, very proud because she has no idea what the fuck any of this means. And to her, it's the equivalent of me winning an Oscar. And uh, um, that is really all that matters at the end of the day. So congrats. None mom. of us are ever going to win an Oscar. So. Oh, yeah, we don't know about that. I, I, wow, okay. I feel like we could make a short. No, my goal, I would like to get, I think this is a more realistic goal. I, I would like style. to get a shout out from the Oscar podium. Ooh. Yeah. 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 No, I think, yeah, I I'm like hoping that's... Top Gun wins and I get a little shoe shout out. Mm. That would be appropriate. Oh, yeah. Do you think you're Cultural on Tom... impact of Maverick? You, think you have to Tom watch Cruise's the list? movie first. Do you think Tom Cruise has seen the shoe video? <laughs> you know? I mean... It's not impossible. It's It's definitely not impossible. He seems engaged in this movie's reception enough. And he does a lot. I feel like someone could have shown it to him. I mean, he makes time. So here's what I'll say: if if they win the Oscar and I get a little shout out at the Oscars, I will watch Top Gun Maverick. Oh, I thought you were going to say another shoe. So now your your threshold to deign to watch <laughs> this spectacular blockbuster is if they mention no, you by I'm gonna watch it for the podcast event from yeah you said you here. would watch it last week <laughs> with no, I've been no very, incentive at all I've had a lot going on in my whole life I know my I life know. exploded is this the yeah. podcast did yeah. we get to the yeah, point where we talk about what we're watching yet yeah, yeah. what have go, you been watching it, since your entire family has been sick oh uh, yeah it's uh I'm trying to play catch up. I'm 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 behind this year for so many reasons. One, I'm just not like in critic mode or anything, and I'm not in awards mode. So I have other priorities. But then, luckily, uh, I guess the monkey paw wish is that I got to stay home for a lot of my holiday time because <laughs> everybody in my family got COVID. You know what's annoying about COVID? I mean, millions of things, and many people have died. And I don't. I I know. I know this is a very serious issue, but at, at this stage, when you're vaccinated. It's like 24 hours of being sick and then just days and days of waiting to be negative and in hell uh, as you just stay at home doing nothing when if you have small children, it's just it's prison. It is. There's nothing to do with kids who have COVID. I'm going crazy. Um, so we've watched every kids movie imaginable. Um, well, guys, have you guys watched Tangled recently? Anyone have Tangled? Tangled Thoughts? Katie Tangled? Not recently. Tangled's a good little uh, action movie. You I know, think. I think Except we have watched Tangled at least in the last like year or two. Better than Frozen. Is that what is that what Eleanor said? It She's might like, be better than Frozen. Piece is Dada. Right? <laughs> How old do you think my daughter is? Dada. <laughs> I love tag set pieces of Tangled. Um, did we talk about Armageddon Time on the podcast? No, but I've talked about Armageddon Time in literally every other venue of my life. So did, you watch, did you watch? Yeah, Armageddon but no one is in those daughter? venues. This is your yeah, no. this is your platform, David. Um <laughs> David, you loved Armageddon Time. I saw Her that on, on the letterboxed. What's the deal? I thought it was okay. I'm a little underwhelmed. Oh. Yeah, we Armageddon call it, in my circles, we call that an anti-Semite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but... I 
love the Fablemans. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and you also have a black friend. I know how it goes. Um, yes, yes, yes. I would have voted for Fablemans three times. Um, yeah, I mean, what's the deal with Armageddon time? That is, uh, that's a big question. Uh, I, I really don't James know where to Greg, begin. I wrote, I've written with a two very, 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 long very articles about the movie. Uh, yeah, it's on VOD already, I believe, because, uh, you know, my theory, my, my only rambling on fighting in the war room theory about why, obviously, you know, theatrical specialty releases have trouble across the board, but, uh, why the Fablemans and Armageddon Time both sort of vastly underperformed is because their movies targeted to Jews. And I did the math and it turns out that if every Jew on planet earth went to go see the Fablemans on its opening weekend, the movie still would have made $30 million less than the opening weekend of fucking uh, uh, Mr. Marvel, what's-his-face, Benedict Cumberbatch, Mr. Doctor Marvel. Strange. Uh, so, <laughs> like, when you, when you narrowly appeal to a certain audience, uh, and the, the, that audience that consists true? of no one. I thought there were many more Jews. There are 14 million Jews. There, Jew- there are more people in the state of New York than there are Jews on the planet. Uh, they, we are not ah. a, uh, you, know, you know, as Kanye West might tell you, we, we may control Hollywood. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, we usually know well enough not to make movies that are targeting ourselves because all of us are in Hollywood controlling it um, or controlling it from New York in the case of writing for the media. <laughs> but um, David, I feel like you're the only person who can make any of these jokes and we're yeah. all just sitting here very quietly trying yeah. not to be the Kanye of this episode. Oh, man. Um, no, Armageddon Time, it's... Well, uh, I love the Jewish people. It's... Uh, right, and James Gray fans, <laughs> all, all honorary Jews for these purposes. Um yeah, I mean, I mean the, it's this, a very yeah. it's a very personal movie about James Gray's childhood, uh, growing up in Queens in the nineteen eighties. Um, he had the makeup of his family. A lot of good Corona Park uh, sure. photography. Yeah, uh, it's, for the, it's for the Queens heads. You know, his yeah, parents it's for Queens. His fans. parents who are played by Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong, who neither of whom are Jewish in real life, but I really love that casting. Similar to the Fablemans, because I think there is nothing more uh, you know for a a twenty first century Jew of a certain age, nothing more accurate than to sort of cast his parents as, as Goyim. Uh, and, uh, Jeremy Strong seemingly yeah. doing a, an impeccable impression of James Gray's father. Yeah, they but, sound, he sounds exactly like James Gray. But that idea yeah. really, it dovetails with the characters that his parents are, is he's very aspirational, you know, as far as assimilation goes. He's probably very aspirational what they're trying to do. Um, they are both trying to move up in the world, and even if that means stepping on somebody else's head, uh, and it's very much a movie about how the you know you can be oppressed and oppressive at the same time. These people who are coming over as grandfathers, played by Anthony Hopkins, in the most heartbreaking performance I've seen this year, it really resonated personally for me because his grandfather, just about the same age, same time as my grandfather, uh, maybe hair older. Hmm. They both came from very very similar origin stories. My grandfather left during the Holocaust. His grandfather left a generation earlier from uh, Ukraine, where his parents were murdered by Cossacks. Uh, in front of his eyes, um, and, uh, you know, really struggling with, the, like, the grandfather character who wants his little grandson, who's the main character of the story, is James Gray Proxy, to be a mensch, as he says, uh, but he, and to, you know, stand up to injustice, as it, especially as it pertains to um, what happens with his, James Gray's one black friend, is, you know, go back to the Patches example, but he had, a, as a kid, um, you know, this, this uh, friend that he had in public school, and then James Gray's Family, after they got, he got in some trouble, shipped him to a private school that his grandfather insisted on, even though his grandfather was sort of his best ally in his corner. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the, those two characters, the James Gray and his friend, befell very different fates, um, largely because of who they were and where they were coming from. And it was just sort of a real inflection point in 
his life where he was wrestling with what it means for Jewish assimilation, what passing allows as far as that goes, and the way that you know minority communities in this country are pitted against one another and forced to um you know forced to exploit one another for the gain of white christian america um and the system at large uh the trump's factor into the movie uh quite literally jessica chastain plays was mary and yeah trump. that was um, mary and trump yeah she has a one and scene. i guess that really happened i, I listened did, to james did. gray talk on the dga podcast yeah. and uh, everything pretty much yeah, yeah, exactly pretty much everything in this movie really happened which um, i think might work against it i mean the, the one thing i have about armageddon time a lot of interesting ideas and you're detailing them here very elegantly um i just i found the whole thing kind of underbaked or like a uh, lacking momentum I, I i also think i'm done with movies i'm, I'm really reaching the katie rich uh, boiling kid, point kid actors. kid actors and I'm just like you know, I have I'm no sad tolerance you say for that. kids I don't want to say that be here. around kids wow well I think that <laughs> says more about your current state than anything else but yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sad to hear you say that about this particular movie because I typically share Katie's allergy to wanting to watch movies that are based around kids I mean there are obvious exceptions but for the most part when you hear like a famous a favorite filmmaker is making a movie with like a 10 or 11 year old protagonist you're like uh oh uh, but Banks, why Fableman's is great. It skips the little kid and goes right to the adult Gabriel Bell, who is great. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's an adult, but I hear what you're saying. But well, like, he's, uh, he, the actor is an adult. He's playing a teenager. A young adult. Banks Repesa, yes. who or Rapita, I'm not sure, who plays eleven uh, year old James Gray in this movie, I think is astonishing. I think he really gives one really? of the best kids' performances I've uh-uh. ever seen. And the same is true of Jalen Webb, who plays his friend. Toilet. Um, I think they're both really wonderful, but I do think I that- agree with that. His friend is is quite good and and kind of understated. And one of my favorite. We don't learn a lot about his backstory. It's very perspective driven from yes, kind of James Gray proxy. And then we those scenes that we do get with him are some of the most poignant. Like what is going on in his life? We've been overlooking him. And well, because you really only see like stares back at this world. You that only see his oppressing life him is is as far so harrowing. You see his his home life in only exactly one scene, and it's very. You know, tangibly filtered through what the James Gay character sort of imagines his life to be. There is a sort of temporal clash uh, going on in this movie where it's sort of happening and being remembered at the same time. It's not as uh, a- acute or aggressive in that sense as something like After Sun, but it's definitely mm-hmm. there. This is obviously a very, you know, very explicit memoir, very autobiographical, but I think it's, it's a really, you do have to sort of be on James Gray's wavelength, which is not something I've always been. Um, I think to sort of vibe with the emotional timber of his movies, it took me until Ad Astra of all things. It's not his most popular movie among his super fans. It um, rules. It rules so hard, even though it was like semi taken away from him. Yeah, Armageddon time was lacking at Applebee's on the moon. Yeah, I mean, sure maybe there was. was one. We didn't see it. It but... does have no. a rocket <laughs> subthread, and including the rocket features prominently in what for me is far and away the the most you know poignant scene of the year. I mean, I honestly like can't even think about the scene without tearing up. Um, but, See, the, uh, I like I like this movie a lot, but the Anthony Hopkins stuff, like I like it, but the poignancy of it, like, didn't hit me quite in the same really? way. Like for me, the parents really stood out a lot more because, like, it's about that moment in your life when you see your parents as people who like make sacrifices and make bad decisions, and like, you know, the, the this kid kind of realizing like the system that exists around him to help him succeed at any cost, like you said, David, and like the Anthony Hopkins character wanting him to be a mensch, but also making this choice. But like the choice he makes is like off screen. So like Paul can still really adore him. I don't know. It felt flatter to me than what you seem to have seen in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it resonated sort of bone deep for me. Um, 
and bones and all bones and all but mm. you know in a way when you when something hits you that personally you don't really generally sure. expect or even hope that it's going to have the same effect on everyone um yeah and james that's especially true of james gary's movies uh, but this is like me and the fashion choices in After Sun that maybe no one else can truly understand. No one remembers Wait, the texture can, can of those you shirts. Unpack that a little bit. Another movie that I have watched in the last. Oh week, yeah, After Sun. Well, I don't want to jump off about Armageddon Time right away. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it's uh, just. Uh, I think you know it's a movie <laughs> that it's a movie that I knew. I think James Gray knew to James Gray is extremely less online than any of us, but I think even in his non-online sort of way, uh, understood that he was grabbing onto the third rail here a little bit with this one. And I saw the movie before Cannes, and I knew that when it premiered at Cannes, it was going to elicit a very particular reaction from people who were not really willing to see the movie on its terms and were forcing it into the box of being a white savior narrative. Um, and about yeah, white that, guilt. that has driven and me it's insane. It's driven me truly insane because that is the antithesis of what the movie is about. Um, and it's incredibly clear-eyed and really heartbreaking uh, to my eyes, a uh, story about uh, the impossibility of those narratives being true and and re- like wrestling with that the course of your life and being in the middle of that tug of war. I mean, it, it, which speaks so clearly to the Jewish American experience. Again, as I said earlier, of sort of being a um, oppressed minority at the same time as you can pass for the majority and sort of having to navigate those two worlds and be pulled apart. Um, between them and generationally going from literally being the victim of a genocide to having to scramble and churn milk into butter, you know, at, at somebody else's expense, because that's the system that's been devised uh, for the country where you arrive in order to have any sort of success and create a better life for your family. And and James Gray is 11 years old and in the middle of it and trying to figure out how to navigate it, who to love, what's meaningful to him. And I think part of what makes the film so powerful is you understand that um, that journey, that process carried on in his head until his fifties, you know, where he is now. I mean, like it was, uh, this is something, you know, similar to after some, again, I mean, these are different movies, but, um, the, 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 they both leave you with the feeling that the person who made them has actively, it's not like it's happened to them and they just put it in a box and they're like, Oh, I'll tell a story about when I was 11. Like these ideas feel like they have been, um, sort of air dried in, in, uh, you know, over the, over the course of their entire adult lives um, and the thoughts have just deepened and, and saturated. And uh, anyway, I find it very, very powerful. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the movie that turns anyone on to James Gray, but if you've seen one of his movies like Katie's beloved, the lost city of Z and, yeah. or, or the movie I recently rediscovered, cause I'd always been like, yeah, it seems fine. I mean, I'd seen it, but I was like, that's yeah, fine. But rewatched all of James Gray's movies recently, which is blown away is uh, we own the night. With good movie, so good, so good. Yeah, I should not have seen like an 11 p.m. screening of that. Speaking of remembering very clearly where I was, falling asleep, and then being jolted by the amazing car chase. Oh my god, the the car chase is falling back asleep. That's truly like that's one of the only car chases I've seen in you know of movies made in the last 30 years where you're just like, oh, someone can still do something fascinating and and uh, Uh arresting and new with this, you know. it's if they had a if they had any of that ingenuity in like the Fast and the Furious movies, you know, it would be wow. it would be mind blowing. But hey, uh, come in and rescue no. the Fast and the Furious movies. It's up to you. Can you imagine if, if just, Justin I, Lin quit and they're like, all right, 
James Gray is stepping in. <laughs> who's, who's next on the list? Oh, I feel no. like James Gray is as surprised as anyone that he gets to keep making these movies. Like his movies make no money. Like no. Armageddon Time gets treated as an awards contender yeah, this time around. I feel like anyone. I mean, well, like, the thing. Like I feel like anyone who has watched a James Gray movie before watched the Armageddon Time campaign, being like, you know how this usually turns out, right? And it seems to be turning out exactly that way. But you see what Jeremy Strong and Anne Hathaway are able to do in it, and like. He can cobble together the fight. I mean, Armageddon time cost a fraction yeah. of what that Astra cost, I it's assume. It's five million. It's going to make more in the ancillary markets. Uh, they didn't spend too much on marketing. And Focus Features is the kind of company that's built to, you know, they just truck on. Yeah. Good for them. You know, like they. That's exactly right. You know, so uh, they don't they don't respond to trends. They don't really. Uh, International sales is a gift yeah. that very few people understand. That once yeah. you pre-sell your movie. It doesn't matter how much it makes. And the French fucking love <laughs> James Gray. <laughs> so he's got they do. the box office there. But, James Gray, and you know, I, like, yeah. I want him to get an. I think I want him to get an Oscar nomination more than he does. Um, rightly, yeah. like I don't think he should bother himself with any of these things. I mean, but I'm I not just, at I'm not at liberty to talk about the details of the vote at the New York Film Critics Circle, but I think it's it's safe to say that I was pushing hard in several different categories. Um, I mean, that felt like the place he was going to get some traction if it yeah. was going to be anywhere. Then. And uh, you know, I, it's really the one thing that does sort of break my heart is that. Uh, is that Anthony Hopkins isn't, you know, I'm, I'm very, very, very excited that he, with Kwan is going to win best supporting actor. I mean, he fucking rules is he is a person fucking rules his performance and everything everywhere. All at once is incredible. Uh, I am going to be tearing up when he takes the podium in March. Oh but, yeah. Uh, We're going to just be crying at every award show between now and then. Yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't need Anthony Hopkins to win another Oscar. He was recently and very justly rewarded for his career best performance in the father. Uh, we will not talk about the sun, but um, yeah, what, what's happening with the sun? We will not talk it's, about it's the sun. still it's oh no, someday we will someday talk about it. We'll I can't, about I haven't seen but it yet. Anyway, but, just to finish uh, my we gotta thought, get there. Like, I, I would have loved some recognition for him just to be on the trail, just because his performance in this movie is just like the way that he sort of leaned into his frail years, uh, is really kind of inspiring and beautiful. Um, I mean, another movie where been... I'm like, oh, don't be old and playing. Like close to death. How how does that? What is that toll that it takes on actors who have to keep yeah. playing? I'm old and I die in this movie because I'm old but and like, I'm actually old. I'm, and he I'm gonna still die does one day. some like paycheck work here right. and there, but like he's also like I am gonna. You know, Anthony Hopkins always had like the no acting required thing. They've talked about this on Blank Check in the past, where he just like gets a script and like highlights large sections and writes makes like, a Thor movie. Yeah. And he's like cool, and he just writes no acting required on it. <laughs> he just like does it. But here he is, you know, again for the second time in the last three years, doing you know acting of the utmost quality, and it's it's. Really uh, are incredible. you leaving out the two popes on purpose? Uh, not on purpose, but it is not a movie that has stayed in my memory at all. I don't he's even know if I ever finished pretty good it. In the, he's pretty good in the two popes. Um, there is. I right, patches. Yeah. Did you want to talk about After Sun? We should. Well, I want to we hear you and, and Dave Sun? talk about things that you have. Uh, I don't have watched. think so. Did you watch I, After Sun recently? I saw it this week, um, which oh. sounds like you did too. So I guess. Great. And Dave, have you? Dave, Dave, hello. Have, have, have hey. you seen After Sun? Not Dave, yet. Wake up. All right. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I know that David has also written extensively, extensively, and talked probably a lot about After Sun. So, well, our Katie, top tens it? are also coming in a matter of That's weeks. That's true. So I guess we should get time. Up. Under Jesus, so yeah. So yeah. after Sun, Katie, this is a, a a memory movie. It is full of mood. It probably teeters on the edge of being like too moody. I really loved it. What did you What did you think of After Sun? 
Yeah, I think I spent a lot of it like, you know, knowing roughly what it was about and being like, is there a story here? What am I glabbing like glomming onto? And I think it takes a while to figure out how the story is telling itself, like what David said about it being remembered and being told at the exact same time. And in this one, it's really literal because she's got these DV tapes and she's recording her dad on vacation with him. And like you, the contours of their relationship are very, very vague and very and the girl at the side of so. film is 11 year old, uh, 11 years old and, and not annoying. A, a child actor who I could. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good performance. Suit. Yeah. Uh, and then she's played. You see very yeah. brief glimpses of her as an adult, which is, you know, perceived to be a stand in for the director, Charlotte Wells. Um, and it just kind of builds and builds of you watching Paul Meskel as her father through her eyes and watching her kind of grow up a little bit, have like a couple of the coming of age beats and watching him react to that, but also not understanding him because she can't understand him. Um, and there's these interstitial moments of strobe light that kind of build out that notion of like the unknowability of someone who's in your past. And then it builds to its ending. And like, you don't want to talk too much about the ending, but like, it was one of those movies where I'm watching it the whole time being like, okay, I like this. I don't know where it's going. And then it ends. You're like, Oh my God, I cannot believe that I feel this way watching something that I wasn't so sure about 10 minutes ago. It's really phenomenal ending. Yeah, unlike being trapped in my house with my small children and being annoyed by the Armageddon time little kid, I feel like watching this movie while trapped and, and tending to my sick daughter, um, serious dad vibes in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's really about bonding. It's really about loss. I got to imagine myself being dead and wondering what everyone would think about it. It's, uh, wow. I had a... I had a I had a whole I, journey here. I, at no point did I think <laughs> about the death of a parent in this movie. I did not. That did not feel like. I mean, I guess it is possible. Not the death of. I mean, I wasn't feeling like the death of the. I, I, I wasn't uh, exchanging myself with the child in here, thinking about the death of my parents. I was the, I'm the parent now. I'm gonna die. Now. My oh, child movie, left without me. The movie me. is about about those two Venn diagrams, sort of. Crossing over because I mean she the, the adult yeah she is a parent character yeah. Is yeah you keep becoming, hearing a baby crying in the background it's so eerie she's a new she's a new mom but she's also reaching approximately the same age that her father did when presumably she saw him for the last time and so there is yeah. a lot of that overlap happening I mean I do think that if you have lost a parent it is uh, something that clicks into place within about eight seconds of the movie starting <laughs> um, and never really never really leaves your thoughts um but it is interesting to me similarly to hear that you had a different experience yeah i mean i it, i'm now realizing like obviously it's plausible that this is about her remembering someone she didn't see again because he died but like their relationship is kind of strained and he is kind of at loose ends in his life it seemed in, also entirely plausible he was just an absent figure I, 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 mean, I don't think it matters, right? No, and, and floating through the movie, I mean, there's a lot of scenes of them just like being at this vacation resort and, and being playful and having tiny moments that I think we all have in our lives of like, what is pure joy? It, it might be something that happened in passing and um, a lot of these moments feel tiny, but it has this kind of ghost story quality to it where very haunting things, like we see him I guess I, I don't know if I should say not to spoil it, but um, like moments of darkness where this guy is going something, through something horrible. He's like walking into the water at night or like screaming at himself. Um, and it's, Yeah, we it's never find scary. out what it is. So it's, it's not really much you can do with spoiling. But he seems, uh, yeah. to be doing tai chi. he seems to be doing Tai Chi as like a, this is a response to something, not like someone who is balanced and does Tai Chi. And obviously there's a broken up marriage at, at the center yeah. of this. 
Yeah, too. but also uh, they, like they seem to be on genuinely and exceedingly good terms. Uh, like yeah, I'm you never sure. see the mom. She's on the phone. Yeah, they have. But, a but who call, knows but what kind of like, like psychic fracture is is occurring? Like, of course, no, I'm not. Dis- I'm not saying yeah. that like the marriage, the marriage falling apart has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying that it's not the way you described it. It sounds very acrimonious, and I'm just saying that like it seems like maybe whatever he's going through sort of precipitated the end of the marriage rather than the yeah. end of the marriage precipitated sure. whatever he's going through. Yeah. And the ambiguity works to this movie's favor. I feel like there are other movies I've seen. Some people dismiss After Sun as like this could have been a short, um, or no. it could have just been like a I've movie. had most of those people uh, killed, so you're not going to be seeing. Yeah, this. <laughs> okay, good. I, uh, I was wondering why I've only seen a few, uh, <laughs> and 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 I get it because I feel like there are movies we see at Sundance that try and do this tone and and fall over the cliff into just ligurious. Um But this is this is this is touching and this is sensitive and this is really carefully put together in a, in a kind of puzzle like way. And, uh, I was, I was, I was smitten. I was captured by this movie. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I mean, David, I know you have, it's the best, very strong feelings. It's the about best it. movie of the year. Uh, well, not oh, spo- now I'll talk about spoilers. Jesus. I mean, I, yeah, when's I your video coming out? Take that to the bank. Uh, I don't know when the video is coming out, when but you, I can tell you what's going to be video one. out. Unless, unless James okay. Cameron really comes in swinging tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you after son. It takes $300 million to win my heart. Uh, uh, Dave, what are you catching up on? What's something you've seen? Oh, I mean, I feel like we could just stick in the early alphabet category here because <laughs> avatar i'm uh, time after sun <laughs> i finally saw athena uh which is good until this last scene and then it's very bad um mm. i saw um i made java watch my after yang screener because she had missed it uh, when it came out so Ooh. we did that uh together then transitioning into the bees I did uh, Bones and All, and then also because I thought Javod had fun with it, we rewatched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Or Tell me what you thought of, of Bones and All. I feel like this movie did not get a moment. Why is this being buried by bad holiday release timing? Or like, is anyone seeing Probably. Bones it's and also all? like, it's also a movie for a very specific audience outside of people who are just in it for the Timothy Chalamet, I feel like. What is it? Is Cannibals? Is that the audience? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It is both a pure romance and a pure movie about needing to eat people. And it is constantly, I think, walking the tightrope between those two things. And several times looks like it's going to fall wholeheartedly one way into the other. Uh, but then uh, Rylance shows up as Sully. Sully. It's joining um, the Monsters, uh, Inc. and Sully. Sully can it. <laughs> Sure. Uh, Mark Rylance <laughs> plays another cannibal who, who sort of flits in and out of this story uh, at various points. Um, and he stops it from becoming a romance, but otherwise, when Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet are living their young lives, uh, I think it's a really compelling sort of like uh, two young people against the world uh, slowly falling in love with each other being imperfect uh, that I really enjoyed. I... I still can't decide after having watched it a few days ago if I wanted it to pick a lane, um, ultimately. Uh, but I, I do think like it more is... horror or more romance or like what 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 are the lanes? Eating people yeah. or loving people? I think uh, they could at one point figure out a way to sort of like be a couple and exist in society. 
uh, or they could go full on and sort of embrace a lot of. The, there's a lot of, um, I guess, for a better lack of for a lack of a better term, world building about this particular type of cannibal, these eaters uh, that we see in the story. So I think there's a bunch of scenes um, like the Michael uh, Stolberg, David Gordon Green scene where they meet them and their fellow eaters that sort of lean towards horror. And then there's some moments like with Timothy Chalamet's character is going to visit his sister uh, that sort of moves towards a more traditional uh, don't you, I mean, like the movie lower class romance between set in the 1980s. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. Reagan in kind of aura uh that creeps into the whole thing i mean don't you don't you think it doesn't pick a lane because it's kind of an obvious aids metaphor um and you can't just like be out and out cannibals and you can't just be in love right like i mean i i think but it has a lot of it doesn't go subtle on either of those things uh like if it was an illusion to sort of point us in the aids direction uh, which it definitely does, but there's like they could they could smell each other. That's pretty early on in the movie. I don't think that's spoiling anything. But like eaters, true eaters can smell other true eaters, and you there's a couple of plot. No, come over to my can house where we've been living in in the same filth for like three weeks. Take a ride on the New York City you subway, smell. and then you'll see if you can smell people. <laughs> if you can no, smell I all mean the eaters. They could smell the eaters because the eaters smell differently than prey, normal people, or then people who are dying smell differently than eaters. There's just uh, a little bit of mythology thrown in there that for had me for, I think, the first 40 minutes thinking it was going to go down that road. But then it uh, hard turns into the romance. I appreciate it. I just don't think there's anything. You wanted there's a little a more great... twilight. You wanted like the Volturi to show up and be like, we're the <laughs> ultimate eaters. I wanted I wanted a scene that really stuck with me where it's like that's the bones and all scene uh, where I think here there was a lot of moments where they were happening that I felt the required tension and or romance. Uh, But uh, when I try to like think back on it, even this far into it, I mostly see like sunsets and roads and, uh, you know, trucks on dirt. And it's like, that's not what the movie was trying to show me. So I'm confused. Hmm. Visually. What do you think, Patches? I, I mean, I really dug it as a kind of like Badlands romance. I mean, I guess I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I'm like way off track when thinking about like gay romance in the 1980s and the AIDS crisis. And this, this has to be a thing with this movie, right? I don't... I, I don't know. Um, but... I found it fascinating and epi- and and the good kind of episodic. I do wonder. I think this movie for Luca Guadagnino is more of a pinch hit. I don't think he was supposed to make this movie and like kind of last minute mm. came on board and and made it. So maybe it doesn't feel. Which is, I mean, if anything, it feels like the movie he would make after Call Me by Your Name and then a Suspiria remake because the Suspiria actor shows up as a character. Original Suspiria actress shows up oh, yeah. as a character in this oh, movie. Oh, you know who else shows but up as like... a character in this movie? I don't know if I should spoil it for anyone who hasn't uh, seen the movie, but they're... I mean, you could say the actress's name, but I don't think well, you should no, say I wasn't she gonna, I was gonna, Jessica Harper's not a spoiler. I was going to say, uh, 
There is a, a director of another movie that we've talked about in the podcast recently who joins a uh, another actor from I the movie. I think Dave already that. Oh, yeah, no, no, I did say that. David Gordon Green <laughs> uh, this movie. We're, we're I blurting it. Out. I don't know if he's so uh, recognizable that, that it's scene, like, hey, it's a spoiler. That scene he's is on the IMDb page. Terrifying. I don't know about the spoiler. I mean, I thought you guys were talking about uh, Chloe Sevigny showing up no, in, a, in a way that I was like, oh, is that her? And uh, had to, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't over describe that scene, which is absolutely scary. But it's yeah. not as scary as the fucking I mean, David Gordon Green other guy scene because. But that's the thing. Oh it's like God. it has the Suspiria yeah. tension things, and then it has the sort of young love sure. at Twilight sort of thing. So it does feel like Luca Guadagnino blended his two previous movies together. It so also I, has, I didn't know he sort of like stepped into pitch. Also in. has awesome zooms. So many cool <laughs> zooms. Zoom in <laughs> everywhere. I love it. And a good, uh, uh, good Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score. I thought you'd be all in on that. Yes, Dave. the well, no, I definitely like this one better than the Empire of it, Light. The, it uh, sounds a lot Reznor, like the score they wrote for the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's like back in that uh, register. Well, uh, yeah, it has. It had what they're really good at, and what he Trent Reznor's been good at since Nine Inch Nails is like that tension building rumble that sounds like it's rising but never does, and that uh, really tunes you into uh, when to be scared and bones and all in a way that I appreciated. Uh, it also has... Katie, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't seen it. I read the book okay. and did not like it very much. And I was to say, this I... is not going to be for you. I mean, the, there's, the yeah. eating of people is pretty gruesome in a way that I think would turn you away from any of the more nuanced lovers drama stuff. I just didn't here. find that much nuance in the book. Like I wonder if there's more added for the, for the movie. Like It felt like a YA movie where it's like, is they're going to be a surprise about what this character is doing. It's like, no, everything's everyone's kind of exactly who you think they are. Yeah. Um, and maybe yeah. there's more to it. In the I movie. think Taylor Russell is sort of bringing a little bit more to it that just by having a performance that doesn't necessarily telegraph stuff as far I, as something like Rylance is good, but swinging <laughs> for know, the it's fences. Funny Rylance has been so annoying to me in recent years, just like doing the same. Like, you love oh, Ready Player One. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> just like doing that <laughs> performance. In it. Like I loved him in Bridge of Spies, and it's been downhill ever since on screen. I mean, I'm sure he's been crushing it on the stage, but he's just always that same. You love the BFG. Yeah, oh my God. That same, like, oh, I'm Mark You know, and then like, and then this, he sort of like demonizes it. He like finds the darkness in that, and for that reason, uh, his performance here, even though it's not super far afield from some of the ones that have really rubbed me the wrong way, I think it's <laughs> still really, has a funny really hat. He's such a creepy guy, and he's uh, and true fact. Um, after I saw this movie, also at Telluride, uh, possibly the same day as I saw Empire of Light, it was like a 10 p.m. movie, and you have to when you see a movie like Telluride, it's you're in like the middle of the woods. There are bears around. There are no lights whatsoever. It's a walk down you know, quiet, uh, pitch black, like creeks Ooh, yeah. uh, with your Another. iPhone flashlight kind of vibe. And then you get out of a clearing and there's like one little hotel and then there's some condos next to it. And I was staying in the condos. But uh, when I come out of the clearing with my iPhone, who do I see standing in front of the hotel, just standing <gasps> alone, staring out into the darkness? But Sorry. Mark Rylance. Oh my God. <laughs> like, ah! Hopefully not covered in blood as he often is. In this movie. I'm so afraid of yeah. bears. And that was so much worse. I, I think if I was 14 or 15 or 16, that this would be my favorite movie ever Ooh. if I saw right now. I feel mm. like every teenager should be required to see Bones and All to kind of recruit them into cinema loving. But also, I think they're going to have I'm posters. If they don't have a poster of Timmy on their wall yet, 
They will, mm. but like this could be Romeo God. and Juliet plus Juliet for a different generation. It's that's how hard because like this movie he, goes. I'm watching that movie and I'm like, oh, Timothy Chalamet is going to show up and he's probably going to be annoying. He's just going to have like he's going to be super manic, and this is not going to be the right vibe for this movie. I mean, I tend to like him and just about everything he's pinned in, but I'm just like, you know, I'm always dreading it. And then he shows <laughs> up and he's completely perfect for the role and it just like fits fits uh you know right into what the movie needs and you completely when did timothy shalmy start being manic i'm trying to think of what performance i don't know about manic about. but he has like i mean like everything david is thinking about don't look up he's thinking about mark lance at don't look oh. up you have timmy oh, don't look up but he has he loves don't look the, up. Wa- the, the young wonka timmy Chalamet. yeah i mean the, i've only seen shit. that one video so i don't know what that's gonna be like but you're right he is he's got some manic energy and yeah don't and there's look just up. sort of like an affected quality to it but he always and Luca Guadagnino really knows how to work it. Yes, um, he does. And like Luca Guadagnino for his HBO TV series, which I also love, um, found a way to essentially like port that same energy into uh, the name of the kid who's escaping me right now, who played the lead in We Are Who We Are. And it felt like a, a performance that was, it was really, really nice, but drafting off of Chalamet. Like he really just gets that energy. Uh, he's really good in this movie. Um, I like them both together. Uh, I liked uh, Andre Holland as her dad. Um, and just there's a right. cool shot in the first 10 minutes uh, where you see her bite a girl's finger off from the, the, the they're underneath a glass table in a living room and they're just like shit strewn across the top of the table and it's just cool as hell and I was like alright I'm in I can deal 130 minutes of this got a joint <laughs> division a, needle drop two hours later I'm down let's go somehow I knew this movie was about cannibalism and that still totally jolted me and, and freaked me out um, yeah he builds tension he can do it Katie we should wrap up but what, what have, have you watched anything New? Are you catching uh, up? After Sun was a big one. Oh, what's Living? I liked Living. Bill Nye. You yeah. know, it's what is a, Living. Talk about seen, Living. It's a, this is not seen, on my radar at all. Ikiru? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, which I'm. I mean, I think I, it's not, does not surprise me at all that there is. You know, that Ikiru would be better. Like I think. I mean, Living is like polished and nice but like having seen my policeman not that long ago, I was like, no, oh, this is how you make a movie set in like the repressive British fifties and not make yeah. it just like. As incredibly boring this as this character. This is an actual are. remake of Akira. Is yes. that what you're saying? It is a yes, almost, written by okay. Katsuro Ishiguro. Which yeah. I mean, David, you have oh. I think you have more strong feelings about his novels than I do. So maybe you should take it over on Living. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, Akira Akira is was on my ballot on my sight and sound ballot of the ten best oh, films ever made. Oh, see, I didn't know that it was that. a. Uh, it is a real David Cannon film. Uh, I and I think you know, you're, it's not like yes, Living is much worse than Akiru, but I don't even care about that. It's not about better or worse. It's, it's just like, you know, it, I, it's similar to like watching after Sun, you know, someone who's lost parents versus not, I think it's just a completely different perspective. I think I tried to own sure. up to this as much as I could when I was writing my review of living back in January that like, I, I don't think I can watch this movie. That's so faithful to the Kurosawa film. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and sort of like, I can't imagine what it would be like if I were experiencing the story for the first time. It's just not possible. And yeah. so I am, I'm really curious to hear how it played for you. If you were emotionally sort of pulled in, what your feeling was that it left you. I felt emotionally pulled in by it. Like, I think Bill Nye, like his performance is good. Like, I, I, I get why there's Oscar buzz around it, but also I like, can't imagine it standing next to some of the other performances of the year. Um, but the just a pretty like facile idea of like, well, it's time to start living. Like, you better not let it all pass you by. Like, I think it it lands really wow, nicely. I've never heard that it's, before. I know there's a whole it's God spell that that's from right. What a big quoting. Um, I mean, and there's like a young Ferris woman Bueller. who he works with who is uh yeah I think I think Ferris the great 
Oh, he inspired Akira, right? Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's like a young woman character who like is there to kind of him kind of bounce these ideas off of, which uh was fine. But like Tom Burke, love Tom Burke. Anytime he shows up in anything, and he like runs into him at like a classic horrible British seaside resort, and they love have this Tom big Burke night out playing a non creep. Uh, he's not playing a creep, but he's definitely playing someone. You're like, oh, that guy's he's been up to no good. Well, he's like playing he, a he, journalist. He, he, in the in the beginning of his scene, he's like complaining. He's been up all night. Like he's not taking care of himself. I don't. I don't think Tom Burke. That's in his wheelhouse. Yeah, but it's um, like the the one Tom Burke performance in recent memory where you're like, oh, he doesn't. He shows up and you don't think like this spells terrible news for the protagonist. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not going to ruin the protagonist's life. Um, and like the way it depicts like the British bureaucracy of this post-war period. Like I, I guess I'm a sucker for the, like the the rebuilding post World War II era, and I think there's. Like some beauty in that the costumes are by Sandy Powell, so they look great. And the like, it's a very like polished movie, but not polished to the point of not being able to breathe, which like I was thinking of my policeman. Um, I feel like I've seen something else recently in that vein, and I can't even like Mothering Sunday. Did anyone see that movie? Yeah, I saw uh, half of it. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like English movies where everyone is like very prim and proper and cannot say their feelings. There's a lot of that in living, but it's got it's got more soul to it. And I, I, I like that. One issue is living is 102 minutes long. Ikiru is 143 minutes long. And, you know, there are I, I don't want to strike something as arbitrary as like Katie, you were talking a couple weeks ago about. Tracking. Living must be better because it's shorter. Like, as well. Right. Well, no, no. <laughs> like the best the time. You know, the, determines a best actor performance like the time oh, sure. on screen um and obviously the rhythms of like a mid-century japanese film versus a contemporary or modern uh british film are gonna be different but i did feel like the kurosawa movie really just allows more time to sort of sink in and crucially in the third act of the film where the linear chronology of the movie fractures and you yeah. go back and you see something you haven't seen before um i think the, I felt that living was a little bit too rushed to really get. Because what you're saying, Katie and Patches, is that like this is the most trite moral you can effectively find in in a narrative of any kind. Um, you know, that like yeah. you know, especially a movie. You know, like life is fleeting, and you better hold on to it while you can. Um, but it's really all about the telling. And I think what makes the curious so profound is just that it 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 drills down into the marrow of that banality. And comes out the other side and like finds something so profound in the simplest of things. And living, it feels like it's falling in those footsteps and sort of gets lost along the way and ends up as pablum. Um, it's just you know, sort of a the, the cliche without uh, you know coming out from it. So you know, and and Takashi Shimura is face. He was the star of the Kurosawa one. His face just is so much of the human condition sort of hangs off of it, and I don't think. Bill Nye affecting and even like more defeated sort of slouch does the same. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah. Well, you were not like moved to tears by it. You were just like, it's no, fine. no, no, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine and lovely to look at. And, um, you know, so many pictures, classics can help this thing make some money. So um, I think I was kind of dreading it as being stuffy and uh, I did not find it that way, but I clearly need to watch Akiru. I mean, I need to watch it for many reasons. Number one on your ballot, David? What was the, well, what was your number one? Ballot, you don't have to rank them, ranked. right? You, not only you don't have oh, to, don't think you, you can't rank them. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, you, what you see on people's like screenshots are just the order in which they submitted them. 
but uh, they are not uh, actually. It does not. Prompt You're picking you to, ten like, and rank they're them. ranking points to figure out number one. I got you. Like right, how right, many right. people voted for exactly. Um, but uh, you know what's that that meme thing that's like if there are ten Haley Lou Richardson fans, then I am one of them. If there is one, then I am. You know, like what is that? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I have absolutely no Haley idea what Lou you're Richardson talking about. I am a Haley Lou Richardson fan. I just want to be clear about it's, this. It's an, arb- it's um, an arbitrary name I'm throwing in there, but there's like a... Anyway, I, my point of, is simply saying that like, if there were three movies on the Sight and Sound ballot, Akira would probably still be on mine. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I, Katie, I would wait like five years before watching it, just because I think so you I can forget about fresh, living entirely. Yeah, as fresh as possible. Um, All right. Uh, I have no opinions on the Sight and Sound poll at all. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. The hundred like, greatest movies of all time have been declared. I mean, and you it's have just no been opinion? yelled about endlessly, and I'm just like, great job putting together a list of good movies, guys. Uh, it is just I, like, I, yeah, Man with a Movie Camera is the ninth greatest actually, film of all time. Sure, I, I I do like Man with a Movie Camera. I've seen that one. Um, I would like for someone to <laughs> like tell me it. how to pronounce the movie that in my head I've been calling Jeannie Dealman, which is how you would pronounce like my neighbor in South Carolina. How do you say the title of that movie? Twenty three quadrucomers. <laughs> I don't think anyone on this podcast can say it with authority, but I have been. I say Jean Delman. Uh, Jean Delman. Okay, but I'm I'm pronouncing Delman too hard. It's definitely Tatane. It's definitely like, re- softer, and you know. French I might stick with Jeannie Dealman. Like Jeannie that sounds, that sounds yeah, yeah. fun. Jean Jeannie Dealman. Jean Dealman. I don't know. Jeannie Dealman. Um, we meet Jeannie again. Dealman's a character in uh, season two of League of Our Own. That's what that <laughs> sounds like to me. My thought about the sight and sound thing is that it's you know it's about changing the canon, but it's also implicitly about upholding the canon. And I think that when you sit there and you try and pick the ten greatest movies of all time, I mean, like we have friends who were really liberated to just go with their tastes um, and not sort of give any weight to history and to, you know, the, the, the gravity that certain movies have accrued over the years. And I think that's awesome. I wish that I'd been able to do that maybe a little bit more, although I really obviously love all 10 of the movies I chose and didn't feel like I was doing any of them for any sort of signaling reasons. Um, but there, you know, you are trying like what's, it's like that best versus favorite conversation, which I always abhor because I think that your favorite movies are the best subjective art form. But when you get into an exercise like this, you do find yourself, you you do find yourself, you know, saying, well, you know, I really loved after sun, but I've lived with that movie for 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, I, did you put portrait of a lady on, on fire? I did did not. I did not. The, the, um, the most recent movie I put on my ballot was the wind rises. Uh, and uh, I had two movies from the 90s, and then they were all before that. But I actually didn't have anything before 1952. So, you know, I think a lot of people really try to run the gamut and cover as much of cinema's lifespan as you can. I think this entire exercise spans from the idea that, you know, we are all obsessive types who fall in love. I think movies draw obsessive types because the medium is still young enough that you can plausibly feel, if delusionally, that you can really master it all and see everything that needs seeing if you devote yourself to it as a lot of cinephiles do and i i think that the way that people relate to movies as the medium grows older and that becomes more and more impossible is going to change but i think that yeah i mean people like there's so much of the the chatter is about how the canon is changing and people think it's like a conspiracy and like the jeff wells of the world are like ah it's like deep throat that's like <laughs> there's he really sure. thinks it's 1600 critics who are all like intensely 
competitive with, with each other are all like getting together in a group slack and uh picking jean delman as, as if we even like knew who was voting it's so fucking stupid but um but you know it's also you do have your portraits of ladies on fire and your parasites and, and other movies moving in there and i think that's great too i mean i think it struck the balance of you know reaffirming canon and evolving it which is I think exactly what people really want out of this list at the end of the day. And yeah, um, it seems like a success in terms of, Hey, for the next 10 years, if someone searches for the greatest films of all time, they'll probably come upon this list and discover movies that they've never heard of. And they might watch them. Right. Yeah. Like, why does it need to be more valuable than that? Put a good list together. Uh, and then, and then watch, I don't know. Yee. Yeah. I mean, you should. And like, he's not on the list, right? He is, he is definitely list. on the oh, list. Oh, it is? Okay. Um, okay. I mean, it's been interesting seeing, like, none of this was a surprise to me because, uh, one, I am a member of the Illuminati and was uh, partially responsible for just handpicking where all of the movies would fall on the list. Uh, me and the 1,599 other people who were invited. Um, but the other thing is that you've been able to see these opinions uh, forming in real time on the internet over the last 10 years. I mean, they're... It is clear as day that Close Up was emerging as like the go-to choice for Abbas Kiarostami's greatest film and one of the best films of the 90s. That Eyes Wide Shut had experienced this enormous critical revival. That didn't make the list. It should have, but it was on... I mean, the most fun part is going to be in January when you can see everyone's individual ballots and you'll be able to see that Eyes Wide Shut, which was on like three ballots in 2012, is going to be on many, many more. Um, shout out to Mia Hansen Love, whose ballot has been published already and put Eyes Wide Shut on it for the second consecutive decade. Uh, but I think, yeah, you've been able to see that, uh, Yee was becoming a movie that everyone in our generation swore by and that, uh, obviously Mulholland Drive and Chunking Express and In the Mood for Love and these movies were, were going up the list. I mean, like none of this is surprising. Parasite is, was the most popular film in the entire history of film on Letterboxd until recently. I mean, like these, and, and you have so many millennials voting in this poll. I mean, like the writing was on the wall. Uh, Jean Delman is unfuckwithable. I mean, like it is a revered uh, film, and Chantal Ackerman, a revered filmmaker beyond that. But like, I think if you've been actually paying attention and not just, you know, sticking your fingers in your ears, this is all the writing was on the wall for all this. Cool. Well, we were doing really good about only talking movies that started with A or B, and then we kind of <laughs> went off the rails there towards the end. But a I genie hope you, Katie, Yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope you enjoy both Avatar and Babylon this week. Oh yeah. As we continue the the AB uh run. But do we have do we do we want to call what we're doing next week? We said White Lotus. We said mm -hmm. Empire, Empire of, Light. of Light. We're gonna finally okay. fight about that one. Uh yeah. that's enough. That's, we can start yeah. with that, right? Yeah. We can talk about yeah. whatever other nonsense uh comes up. We'll get there. So then, as I've already stepped in to end the podcast, tell the people who you are. <laughs> I'm Matt Patches, Deputy Editor of Polygon. I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And we have a website, fightingintheworm.com. I think we've been doing it long enough that it's possibly talked about the last site sound update, greatest movies of all time, ten years ago. Because it's wow. been that long. Without ads, Ooh. I might add. I might add. Without ads. I'm going to sleep. <laughs>
Um, I am David Ehrlich. I am the film critic for IndieWire. By the time you listen to this, you will, as Katie said, be able to, or Patch said, someone said, you'll be able to find us all tweeting about Avatar. Uh, I'm wondering if there's anything worth reading on the site that I've written recently. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the Avatar review bar goes next week. Will it come? Anyway, find me playing... Yes. Marvel's Midnight Suns in my PS5 and seeing if I like it. <laughs> um, and find all of us on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room. Leave us a review. We'll read it live on the show. Again, if you would like to make any sort of uh, personal permission, if you are seeking love, if you have anything that feels like an advertisement <laughs> uh, that comes with a $50 surcharge, you can Venmo us directly. Dave, wow. uh, tell us where they can do that. Uh, I mean, well, you can email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send this money, maybe we can find a Venmo. I don't know. This is all being improvised. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You can find all of us on Twitter at FITWR. I know Katie usually says that, uh, but that that's what I have to plug this <laughs> it's week. That, it's the kind yeah, of episode movie. we're having. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you can find me at Vanity Fair and on Little Gold Men still. I can still say that. More Oscar talk over there, obviously. Um, you can find uh, you can listen to the Still Watching podcast about the White Lotus that Dave has been uh, heroically producing and editing and I've been helping on it's really good it's hosted by Chris Murphy and Richard Lawson they're really good at talking about it uh, there were twists we got in the show Plaza this week. got Aubrey Plaza this week uh, and then next week we're gonna have the finale um, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich K-A-T-E-Y-R-C-H and then Dave already told you where you can follow us on Twitter but you can go there and tell us about a movie that starts with A or B that you like or you can answer this week's lightning round question which was in honor of Empire of Light, what's your favorite memory in an actual movie theater? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.